Such an amazing story, and it uh, follows right after the scripture that Scott Dudley preached last week. So you're going to see that we hope these two sermons are interlocking. I heard a preacher named Juan Carlos Ortiz, who was famous for his preaching. And one Sunday, he preached the sermon on loving your neighbor as yourself. And he got a lot of praise about that sermon. And then he watched his congregation that week and seemed to notice absolutely no change. So he got up the second week and thought, you know, I'm going to go after that again and preach basically the same sermon a second week and watch that week as he saw no results. So the third week, he was frustrated, and he just stood up and said to his congregation, this was the whole sermon, two words, love others. Could he be more clear? So after he said those two words, what are they going to do for the rest of the 20 minutes? He advised them, that's it, folks. That's all I've got to say. Just now turn and talk amongst yourselves and figure it out. What are you going to do this week to love others? And then the following week, he stood up and said, okay, you're the sermon. Let's hear your stories. How did you love others this week? So church, last week we heard about the giving of the Holy Spirit. You ready to come up and tell the story? That's the amazing thing about Pentecost. God gave the Holy Spirit so that we would put that to use. We'd put that good news to use. And I heard another great preacher, Scott Dudley, preaching a whopper of a sermon last week. Are we putting it to use? Peter and John did. It's almost like kind of a time warp, like they had heard Scott last week when we see them in the scripture this week. It's some sort of strange time warp that they're living out what Scott preached. This week, it's Pentecost, the remix. You are now leaving Dudleyville <laughs> and entering Candyland. <laughs> so the road may be a little rocky because we're gonna travel backwards. We're gonna start with Scott's point five. They will think we are crazy. So last Sunday, I was minorly irritated when, with my extended family visiting, we, we had to, were a little late, and I had to drop them all off at the sanctuary so I could go up and park up at Bellevue Christian. And by the time I had parked my car and come back, they had selected seats in the back row. Now, I am not a back row person. I think if you love Jesus, you sit up near the front. Okay, just maybe all your pastors might think that way, just letting you know. So there I was in the back row, kind of resenting it, and later in the service, after the sermon, and we're singing a hymn, wouldn't you know it, but my arm went up. And I was just praising God in the back row, thinking I'm so glad I'm in the back row of the sanctuary because I think I'm the only hand that's praising God up in the air. They're going to think I'm crazy, but not that many people. If you're in the back, you can do anything. <laughs> Scott encouraged us to let go of that self-consciousness to praise God with our whole body, to open up the Alka-Seltzer and pour it in the cup and let it fizz. Let that spirit fizz right up out of us. To allow ourselves to be passionate about Jesus. Peter and John felt this freedom to be passionate about Jesus. The early church had practices of passion. They prayed in the temple three times each day. Your passion is more likely to be released if you're part of a community. Bringing us to Scott's point three, be part of a community. Pentecost was kind of an extreme community experience. 
They were gathered together and there were the wind of the spirit came and then like tongues of fire appeared on each person's head. I mean, can you imagine explaining that to your buddies at work? It was phenomenal. The first followers of Jesus continued their Jewish traditions. They also broke bread together. They drank wine together. They sold their belongings so that they would have more to give to the poor. And then scripture tells us that one day, like one of these days after they'd received the Holy Spirit, it might have been a few days, might have been a few weeks, Peter and John were going to worship. And notice this wasn't this big deal, like set aside, missional, revival meeting kind of thing. No, it, they were just on their way to church. It was one of the three times. It was a normal day. It was a normal prayer time. There was that normal guy, lame from birth, who was begging in his normal spot. And the guy asked them for a donation. Peter looked at him and said, look at us. And the man turned, and I, I picture this kind of interlocking moment where Peter and John are looking at him, and he's looking at them, and kind of the suspense is rising. And Peter said, silver and gold, I've got none. We're out of cash. There's no ATM nearby. They'd already emptied their wallets to support the poor. The one thing they still have is actually more powerful than any currency. This connection with God. And it's like he, he looks over at John and says, you know, do you think this is the moment? Like, should I, should I do this? And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, stand up and walk. And he did. Wow. I would guess that most of us would have been pretty anxious about that moment. That if you're going to put yourself out there and say, in the name of Jesus, you're going to hope for some results. Peter trusts that if he calls on the name of Jesus, God will show up. Here's the good news on this. The results are not our responsibility, not Peter's, not John's, not yours, not mine. God is responsible for the results. Let God be responsible for the results. You don't have to borrow that problem. In this moment, when Peter puts the name of Jesus out there and then gets his, he calls on the name of Jesus and then he actually reaches out his right hand. It's almost like kind of this impulse, you know, it kind of goes together. He extended God's blessing to this guy who was outside the temple and he changed history. This is the point that we can tune into that power and we can respond to that Holy Spirit nudge. We don't have to consider all the implications. We just have to respond. Often a Holy Spirit nudge carries with it kind of a risk and a call for immediate action. The church sometimes can get too comfortable with where we are, even as a, as a group. A story is told about this happening in the Roman Catholic Church back in the Middle Ages before the Reformation. The Pope was showing a theologian, Thomas Aquinas, that's a familiar name, very famous philosopher, he was actually visiting the Vatican, and the Pope was showing him around, and the Pope remarked when he was showing him all the treasures, you see, Thomas, the church can no longer say with Peter of old, silver and gold have I none. And Thomas Aquinas replied, nor can we say, such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. The church had gotten comfortable with where it was. And doesn't that happen sometimes for us too? we find ourselves too comfortable to take a Holy Spirit risk and respond to that nudge. 
Well, I'd like to introduce you to someone who recently did respond to such a nudge. Um, we have a new church business administrator coming, and it was about six weeks ago when Laurel Fortin, our current um, church business administrator, announced that she was leaving our staff, and we were very concerned about not being able to replace her. It, would, it seemed impossible. Uh, she's made a significant contribution in almost a decade of service here at church as in her role as church business administrator and prior to that, finance director. So we're thankful that Laurel and her family will continue to be in our community, but we knew we had a challenge on our hands in finding someone to step in. So we opened up the process immediately, and resumes came in from across the country. Interviews were held, but in the end, yes, we are hiring another Scott. <laughs> Scott Burbank and his wife Susan have been members of our congregation for years. They've been leaders of various ministries, including youth ministries and young adults, a capital campaign, and most recently marriage mentors. Scott, thanks for joining us and telling us your story today. Sure, Kendi. Well, let me tell you a little bit about um, the process to get here to be able to talk about the uh, opportunity that was presented to us. Um, I worked for Microsoft for 15 years. They were 15 mostly action-packed years, including a lot of international travel. In one stretch, Susan and I worked it out so that we could meet in whatever country I was in for the weekend. We saw each other in Tokyo, Hong Kong, Singapore, Sydney, Auckland, London, Amsterdam, Dudley, uh, Dublin, Beijing, and even Fiji. It was uh, an adrenaline rush um, to work with smart people, and then on the weekend, have Susan there, my beautiful, intelligent wife, to spend the weekend with. In one memorable trip, I didn't touch U.S. soil for six months. I think that same year, Susan racked up 100,000 air miles to meet me in whatever exotic city I happened to be in that weekend. It was definitely a fast-paced and exciting time in our lives. I was busy, but I had a growing discontent with work. I felt like I was missing something. My discontent led me to change my role at Microsoft to one with less travel, but that wasn't working either. I was still missing something. Plus, the pace at Microsoft uh, had seriously messed with my adrenal glands, and that was impacting my overall health. Susan and I talked about it and started praying, Lord, what do we need to do here? Susan heard the answer first. She heard that I needed to step out of Microsoft, take two years off of work. I responded with, what? <laughs> that sounds crazy. It was the peak of my earning potential in corporate America, and to really take off my Sunday morning mask, my career was kind of tied to my identity. If I stepped off the escalator, what would happen? Taking two years off work meant that I would really have to trust God, and then it dawned on me. That's the point. The idea of taking two years off work was intended to reconnect me with God and relearn how to lean on Him. So I left Microsoft, May 1st, 2010. We eased ourselves off the Microsoft adrenaline machine by first racing our 35-foot sailboat to Maui. We then took a little slower-paced adventure and sailed to Alaska the next summer. These adventures helped create a deep sense of yearning for the Holy Spirit to direct our steps. It led us to start the marriage mentoring program here at Bell Press. And most importantly for me, I found what was missing. I found that I need margin in my life to begin, to just begin to reconnect with the Holy Spirit. Then a couple weeks ago, toward the end of April, we realized our two years was coming to an end on May 1st. 
So during our just simple dinner prayer, we made this request. We asked God to show us what was next. Lord, what's next? The next day, we came to the 6 p.m. modern service right here. During the quiet time at the end of the service, I still had that question in my mind, what is next? The service ended, I turned around uh, to talk to the folks behind me and felt a tap on my shoulder. It was Scott Dudley and he had a question. He wanted to know if I would be interested in applying for a position at the church to join his leadership team. I couldn't believe it. I knew he saw my eyes well up as I thought to myself, wow, Lord, this isn't subtle at all. <laughs> Could this really be you reaching out through Scott Dudley and literally tapping me on my shoulder right here in church? Susan and I laughed as we walked home that night. We wondered if we even needed to pray about Scott's question or if this was so obviously an answer to the prayer that we had made just the night before that all we needed to do was say yes. We did pray about it some more. We talked with a few trusted friends and some mentors, and they all said, do it. So I officially responded to Scott's question on May 1st, 2012, exactly two years to the day after I stepped out of Microsoft to try to get more margin in my life to hear the Holy Spirit. Please take a minute if you see Scott and Susan and welcome them to their new calling. Thank you so much for uh, stepping onto this new adventure escalator. What an amazing faith. And Scott will be starting next month and in his, in his new role. Did you catch that in Scott's story, he and Susan were praying for God's will for them. They were open to what the new adventure would be. This sabbatical idea, this idea for change came as they longed for a deeper relationship with Jesus and a desire to hear the Holy Spirit. And God provided a direction that they could have never orchestrated for themselves. I mean, to the day. That's impressive, isn't it? So what about us? Can we put up that sail of our faith instead of just trying to paddle our boat on our own or maybe get a bigger paddle? No, get a bigger sail. Like, let God do what God wants to do. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. With God, all things are possible. God is so much bigger than what we think can happen. Physical healing can happen. Loving the unlovable can happen. A new meaning or purpose for your life can happen. Forgiveness in the middle of family conflict, all possible, all made possible by the Holy Spirit. I know a woman whose husband was changing a flat tire on the side of the freeway one day, and while he was under there doing what those auto angels do, tinkering to get this thing in place, their car got hit, and he was pinned under the car and dragged for a bit. And as she watched this happen, what did she do? She realized she needed the power of Jesus. She went out there on the front of the car, this tiny petite woman grabbed a hold of the car and said, in the name of Jesus, and you know what happened? She lifted it up. She lifted up that car and he scooched out from underneath the car and ER doctors were able to put him back together. He just lost a piece of his finger. And the two of them often believed that God kind of left that reminder so that they would tell the story of what God did on that day. God desires full healing, full restoration, full relationship for each one of us. 
Maybe it's going to come in a sudden physical change or maybe not. Sometimes the miracle is instantaneous. Other times it seems to me a miracle that God redeems all kinds of situations. Long-suffering. God redeems cha uh, needed change in relationships, sometimes through prayer, sometimes through prayer and counseling. Sometimes God leads us in a new way. Maybe today is that day that you receive God's power and love at Gate Beautiful right here. You have the opportunity to go deeper with God through anointing prayer. As communion happens, there will be prayer ministers around the room, and you could be anointed with oil and prayed for. These folks will offer you what they have, the name of Jesus. And it is our prayer that this will fill you with the Holy Spirit in new and abundant ways, that you will become more and more filled up by the power of God. Because the Holy Spirit draws people to Jesus. Theologian and Bible teacher uh, Dale Bruner calls the Holy Spirit the shy member of the Trinity because the Spirit seems to work kind of behind the scenes so that in the end Jesus is magnified and glorified. We see that in our story today. After this healing happens, the man's ankles and feet are strengthened and he jumps up and he's leaping around, a crowd comes running. I almost picture it like, uh, like a, after a grand slam with the Mariners, like people are standing up, did you see that? Did you, oh my goodness. You know, there's, there's this generation of, gener, uh, generates excitement and enthusiasm and yelling. They're amazed. How about us? Could these same kinds of things happen in our world today? Absolutely. We can experience adventure and peace, the power of singing together and worship and praising God. Maybe today is the day a miracle is going to happen in your life. Why not? When Peter said to the crowd, uh, why does this surprise you? Like, what are you all so excited about? You got to remember, they were at Pentecost, and it's almost like that Pentecost experience is now expanding. Peter says, why do you stare at us as if by our own power we made this guy walk? It's the power of Jesus at work. And yet we are surprised when God shows up, aren't we? We're, we're surprised that God works in the everyday, ordinary parts of our lives. Just last week, God sent me a guy named Len to wash my windows. And as Len came into my house and got out his squeegee, I was finishing up the morning dishes, and God began to speak to me through Len and his story. He was one of six children when his father had major surgery. Len was about 10. After weeks in the hospital, he finally returned home, and on his first day home that evening, the dad stepped on a tack, contracted tetanus, and died 10 days later. His youngest daughter was only 12 weeks old. In his coat pocket, they found a letter that he had written before his surgery. It said, if you are reading this letter, I'm sorry that I'm no longer with you. But I want you to know I have never been more confident that I belong to Jesus and that I will be with him forever. This is the only inheritance I can leave with each of you, that you belong to Jesus always. 
Len's mom struggled as a single mother trying to provide for her six children. She developed serious ulcers. Years later, she made a rare appearance at church to see one of the children actually getting confirmed. And on that Sunday, sitting in that chair, she had a strong sense in her heart that God was speaking to her, that he was saying two things. One, you can trust each of your children to me. I've got them. And the second one, your ulcers are now healed. Following that day, her ulcers were completely healed. And from then on, she had a confidence and peace in Jesus. All six kids did go out to live faithful Christian lives, and even this skeptical mom was healed of her bitterness and restored to God. As the hours went by and Len was cleaning my windows, I was working at home, and I thought it was a good time to write a sermon. Then when it was time to leave, Len said again, Remember, my dad gave me the best inheritance there ever was, the name of Jesus. And I told him he'd given me a perfect sermon illustration. <laughs> Which brings us back to this idea of saying yes to the nudge. In every place you go, in every person you encounter, in every step you take, pray for more of Jesus and the release of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I ask for more of you for each one of us gathered in this room, more of your presence, of your love, of your power, more confidence in your name. We pray that you would release the Spirit in us right here today. Our hope is for the miracles that you desire to do to take place in our lives today, this week, that your love and your hope and your power would overflow into our community and our world through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.